Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony All right, welcome to the Mainstream Mass Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaren. What is up, guys? We have been continued to be uh, interrupted here by some personal things going on. And, you know, our drive has not really been um, as good as it has been at points during the offseason as the dog days have just really caught up to us. But That's we do expect to be right there. going full for, uh, full force here um, throughout. Um it has also been hard for us to watch these Eurobasket games that Luka Doncic has been playing on. So we do apologize for that. But, you know, training camp is literally in like two weeks almost. So we're just going to be cranking out pods from here on out. So we do apologize about the uh, sort of um, marginalized hiatuses over the last couple of weeks. But we're getting back into it. Today, we're going to be covering Slovenia's last five games at group stage. We haven't done a podcast since the Donovan Mitchell trade, and I believe they'd only played Lithuania since then. So we'll be uh, covering Luka's performance versus Lithuania, Hungary, Bosnia, Germany, France, and Slovenia starts the round of 16 tomorrow. They'll have their first game versus Belgium at 7.45 a.m. Central Time. So for those of you uh, morning people, uh, get your coffee and get to watching. Unfortunately, I will not be able to watch that game but I will try to keep up with it accordingly as much as I can. And also, Maxi Kleber got a three-year, $33 million contract extension reported by Sham Sharani of The Athletic will be kicking in in the 2023-2024 season. Um, Jaron, were you surprised by this Maxi contract extension? And- I, I think the timing of it kind of was. Uh, it just kind of seemed like this offseason was pretty much locked. Uh, we were ready to head into training camp. And then all of a sudden, you know, this comes out and it kind of seems like it came out of nowhere. But nonetheless, I'm happy that it happened. Uh, definitely well deserved. I think he's going to live up to his contract. Uh, and I, I, I believe he would be, was it 33 by the end of it? It'll actually be 34. One of 34. Um, okay. Somebody yeah. on Twitter actually corrected me at the end of that because for some reason I was operating operating under the assumption that um, it just started this year, not because of I didn't like know what the rules of an extension were, more so just because. I had like simply forgot, like I just like looked past the fact I saw, oh, contract extension starts this year. Like, you know, like obviously I knew in the back of my head, though, that it wouldn't kick until the next season. So, yeah, he'll be 34 at the end of his extension. Uh, we will be deep diving into that as well. And what exactly that means for the Mavericks is the Mavericks cap flexibility next year and things of that nature. Mavericks. But before we do that, here is a quick ad from our sponsor, Anchor. All right, Jaren, so getting into it. Luka Doncic, who is first five games in group stage at Eurobasket, averaged 26.6 points per game, 7.6 rebounds per game, 6.8 assists per game, 53.8% from the field, only 29.2% from three, and only 69.6% from the free throw line, and 4.6 turnovers per game. What were your thoughts? Um, just from, you know, we weren't able to really watch any of these games just due to like schedule constraints and things of that nature. But what were your thoughts? Um, from what you were able to gather through the first five games of Eurobasket in terms of Lucas' play, he had a couple, you know, subpar performances where, especially in that, the Slovenia went four and one. And uh, I want to add that Vako Konchar and Goran Dragic did play a big part 
in a lot of these games and their victories, um, especially um, keeping them in that Bosnia game. But in that Bosnia and Hungary yeah. game, Luka didn't necessarily have um, – I mean, the Hungary game, he, he had a pretty steady performance, but they – he didn't really have to play any of the fourth quarter. But, to, but particularly in the Bosnia game, he kind of seemed like he had a little bit of a dud. But the other games, Germany, obviously, and France in particular – he just went absolutely eight mode. So what what was your what is your short summation of how Luca played in these first five games? And what do you what have you been seeing from him in terms of like the shape he's in? Do you feel like he's getting to the basket more? Yeah, yeah. Um, things of that nature. Yeah. So um I guess starting out, you know, in group stage, uh he, he started out a little slow. I'd say the, the Lithuania game, um, I think was a bit under what we expected. Uh and then he hops into the hunger game and does pretty well in that game and then like you said the bosnia uh bosnia game a little a little underwhelming but uh started out slow definitely finished really strong one thing i think physically uh, about luka that i definitely noticed is like his his agility in terms of lateral uh the way he can just switch the direction of the court like real quick uh, whenever he's dribbling the ball in particular and uh moving the ball up court and transition he's just he looks faster um i think all the aspects of his game that we all knew were really good he pretty much just refined it um and yeah i mean like i said like everything he's doing right now he's doing it faster he looks more clean doing it um we're definitely seeing a little a little bit more i think of a i don't want to say a risk taker because it, it is um you're a basket but I think Luca's kind of going out there. He's just playing basketball at the end of the day, uh, especially in that France and Germany game. Uh, he he got invested in the Germany game. At the end of the game, him and um, him and Schroeder and I forget I forget who like actually started the fight on Slovenia. I, I guess Scuff, um, whatever. Um, I, I don't I don't I can't remember either, but I want to say it was either Prepolic or Conchar. Um, but he just started getting into his shooter on the sideline, and then Luca came in and like it, it looked like Luca was trying to trying to like get in on the fight as well. And then towards the end, he was grabbing shooter to break him up and stuff like that. Um future. But yeah, I mean like shooter. and and he also uh was it Lithuania? There there was one other one where he uh got into it with some guys. Um this may have been I can't pre- remember to be honest with you. Yeah, I was like, this may have been pre- um group stage but yeah i mean like definitely finished a lot better germany he dropped 36 on really really good free throw or uh, field goal percentage and then of course france dropping 47 and that made him second best i think in eurobasket history uh or like second highest yeah and- the second highest scoring performance in a uh, single game scoring performance in eurobasket history um only by this one dude um i'm forgetting his name, but it's like Eddie something. And he scored um, 63 for Belgium. And I believe it was 1957. Yeah, no, I know it was in the 50s. Eddie, or... Eddie Terrace. And it was, let me go ahead and verify this for you real quick. So, yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah, Eddie Terrace had 63 points for Belgium in 1957. So, yeah, I was right. Um, yeah, so obviously that was in a completely different era. So what Luca did at Eurobasket was completely unprecedented. And what um, what's his career high? Isn't it 49 or 
in the NBA. No, he's broke 50. Um, he's bro- okay. I'd have yeah. to look it up to like remember the exact game in which it happened, but he has indeed broke 50. All right, so here we go. Yeah, Luca actually did score 51 against the Clippers. Um, it was right after the Porzingis trade, if you remember. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he did have that 50 piece against them. But um, in particular, um, so you already kind of talked about Luca's lateral quickness, just the way he's been able to move on the court. It does seem like he's getting to the basket a lot more. You know, he has had some like really bad games in terms of his shooting from three, particularly the Bosnia game where he looked like he was settling a lot. He, had, he went 0 for 8 from three. But like in a lot of these highlights of him, he seems like he's just a little more explosive, frankly, getting to the basket and, you know, of course, hitting some like extremely difficult shots. But he seems like he's using his athleticism that he does have to his advantage a little more um, versus the regular season at times where I felt like, you know, it was maybe a lot more twos, um, maybe like post ups, spin around jumpers, things that things of that nature when he would try to get into the lane. Just because maybe, you know, obviously the NBA schedule is a lot more rigorous, but he does just seem to be a lot more explosive here. You know, yeah. you're playing on a night-to-night basis in the NBA, and I can see how you can get dead legs occasionally, but Luka just does seem in better shape. I feel like that's irrefutable at this point. Yeah, no, one um, thing one thing that uh, did stick out to me, uh, Luka versus Germany, uh, it's kind of around the second half whenever it, Schroeder and Doncic would kind of play. Schroeder would play uh, – Schroeder would be on defense while Luke was, of course, on offense. And Schroeder was guarding him most of the time during the second half. Anyways, um, Luca using his physicality, he was using his body to get to the hoop, knowing that he had – and not to say, Schroeder didn't play bad defense at all. Uh, you mean he, he was just, Luca as tough as he could, but, you I mean, at the end of the day, Luke Schroeder doesn't have the weight or physical body to hang with Luca. you know? No, yeah, but he was using – like he he was explosive. He was using his body in the right way to get to the hoop to get easy twos. Um, of course, you know, I mean, Luca's always gonna have those fadeaway twos that he has. Um, but really, you know, he he tried to limit those and he got to the hoop. Uh, and that's that's a big reason why he had 36 points. No, 100 percent And I know it does take a toll on a guy, you know, trying to get to the hoop every single possession, but with Luca just being like a little more assertive, I think that, that could bode well. Um, a lot more for, you know, in terms of him getting to the basket, in terms of him trying to get um, an MVP campaign this year, in terms of the Mavericks getting off to a better start, him being in that elite shape and getting to the basket is um, essential in my opinion. And to see his explosiveness and how he's playing in Eurobasket thus far has been really enlightening. And I've really like thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, we must also mention that Luca did, I think it was a problem with his wrist that he had that, um, one little minor injury. Do you recall what game that was in Jaron? Uh, I actually don't know. I feel like it may have been. I feel like it was the Germany or Bosnia game. If I yeah, I feel like it was Bosnia. Yeah, and Luca. Um, I don't remember exactly where it happened, but he had a little issue with his wrist towards the end of the game. But he, you know, and obviously in the uh, France game, he got elbowed really hard in the head. You know, he's taken. You know, with going to the basket is going to come. You know, what comes with that is going to be like more bumps and bruises, um, more toll on your body. But if Luca has the shape to be able to, you know, the physical shape and the physical prowess to be able to withstand that, then that is going to be, it's going to be a lot more reminiscent of his 2019-20 campaign 
versus maybe these last two years where, you know, at times uh, people in the national media may have said, you know, Luca's getting soft or he's, you know, complaining too much of foul calls, which that kind of seems to be concurrent, something he'll always do. But that's just in, terms of, in terms of the soft label, you know, obviously I think that's an unfair label like completely. But I think he gets that to an extent, you know, not just because he's European and that's a very unfair narrative, of course, as well. But also just for the fact that, you know, he complains about contact and necessarily might not be there. But if he's being more assertive and he's getting in the lane and really putting himself in the doghouse a lot more, you know, not to a point that it would be like just detrimental. And then they're like, OK, because he he's not a Giannis body type where he can just withstand that all the time. Be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, so long as he's has, you know, maybe a slightly more healthy mix of, you know, knowing when to take that step back three, um, but also. Um, exploiting a mismatch instead of just settling, um, even if he's a little tired. That's, I think, what's going to bode well best for him in terms of his health and um, his ability to withstand injuries and as well as his play going into this 2022-23 season. What are your thoughts on that? No, I mean, I I, I concur with that statement. Um, like you said, I, you know, going to the paint, getting – uh getting baskets that way in that fashion like you're gonna get bumps and bruises along the way Luca especially through the playoffs these last two seasons last three I guess um he, he's done a great job of putting those narratives to bed you know he's soft uh he, he he whines too much all this I feel like he's done a good job putting that to bed um this guy's tough as it comes we're seeing it in Eurobasket in the off season uh for that matter and I think it's going to continue to trickle down into the regular season. And we'll see about this MVP candidate kind of talk. Um, but without a doubt, I mean, Luca's physicality is just, it, it's just on another level right now. Um, you know, I, I think strength wise, I think he's done a lot of strength training this off season. It shows in his Instagram posts. I don't know. I, I'm sure he's picking the the best looking angles, but <laughs> he, he, he looks really good. I will admit. Um but no, I mean, like the physicality standard, like he, he's just on a different level right now. Yeah, no, certainly, you know, there were times where, you know, despite his body weight, it may have been more um, fat than muscle per se. I feel like right now he's really like refining himself to be this just physical powerhouse, you know, not in the sense of being able to just dunk all over people, but in the sense that he's able to like really push guys around and, you know, he's always been able to do that, but at certain times, you know, particularly the last two seasons late in games, it seemed like he could only do that when he wasn't tired or when he was well rested versus now he's just conditioning looks a lot better. And, you know, obviously like being tired and, you know, not having the physical capability to withstand just foul after foul after foul is understandable at some points in the regular season. I'm not saying that Lucas, that's never going to happen to Luca again, it's just limiting the amount of times that that happens. Um, if he can, you know, play at a better conditioning and better physical level than he has been more consistently, that's going to bode well for him in terms of his MVP campaign. And we also, you know, want to preface this. This is not an indictment upon him. I mean, we both firmly believe this guy is like a top five player in the NBA, you know, obviously in the world for that matter. And he's insanely good. It's just like, even at, as good as he is there, there, I feel like there still is like constructive criticism in terms of things that you can get better at, but he, so, th- so far through Eurobasket, you know, his shot hasn't really been dropping as much as maybe he'd hoped, but he's still 
at a level that um, is completely unprecedented, you know, especially these last two games, just in his, you know, the way he's been going, getting into the lane, the way he's um, just picking out mismatches and toying with defenders, just all uh, things of that nature. He's certainly at a different level at this point right now. So, so one thing that kind of stuck out to me, I will admit, um, it kind of seems like, you know, whenever you have the Nurkic's, um, the Nurkic kind of builds of those centers, it kind of seems like he's kind of hesitant to drive into the paint, as any guy would. Um, but it, it affects the the score sheet in that sense. And, you know, you see in the France game, like with Rudy Gobert, Rudy played six games against this guy in the playoffs and still couldn't stop him. Like, I, I just don't know if this is kind of a – I don't want to say taking a break per se. Um, I don't know if this is Luca's confidence level or what. Uh, it just seems like, you know, whenever there's a bigger center, unless if your name's not Rudy Gobert, um, or unless if your name is Rudy Gobert, it, it just kind of seems like he's a little hesitant. But with that being said, is he finding the right guys, passing, doing the right things? Yes, he's doing those whenever he can't score. And that that's, that's what – Luca's always done in his career and it's definitely pointing out in these past five games yeah I mean you know Slovenia obviously I mean these are the best basketball players from that nation but this you know this roster isn't the Dallas Mavericks roster like the Mavericks would smoke him um and for him to you know he's still having these like pinpoint passes I mean yes his turnovers are higher but you can also attribute that that to some of the you know the court being condensed things of that nature um just a tighter playing field um you know, the rules in terms of defensive in the paint is a lot different. And these are shorter games. So you can attribute a little bit of it to that. But, I mean, he's had some insane passes to find guys um, open at the top of the key for threes. I remember, like, one distinctly where he just whipped a behind-the-back pass, like, while he was basically in the restricted area all the way to the top of the key to, I think it was either Concha or to- uh, uh, Vlaco Concha or Mike Toby for a three. And he just seems like he's playing with a different, like, level of quickness uh, like just like we've said this whole podcast a different level of physical prowess that if he can keep that up on a consistent basis throughout this next season you know only you know not necessarily like because you know he he will have some dud games where you know that extra step may not be there second nights of the back-to-back things of that nature but if he can do it more consistently and limit the amount of times that he's like playing down to opponents things of that nature this guy has a real case to be the mvp next year in my opinion um and just getting into like his game from France the other day um, where he had the second highest scoring or a single game scoring performance in Eurobasket history. Um, what did you, what was kind of exemplified in that game? In your opinion, I felt like we got the full Luca entourage of everything yeah. from trick shots for that insane <laughs> one-legged fadeaway off one foot three against Gobert at the end of the shot clock to just his ability to get to the basket. He just didn't seem hesitant whatsoever. He's letting everything fly. And then, um, it seemed as if him getting to the rim really opened up his shot. And that's, in my opinion, when he plays his best is when he doesn't just start shooting threes from the beginning, but when he's taking what the defense gives him, he's getting to the rim on a consistent basis. And then his shot ends up following because they don't want to um, give up the driving line. And he ends up just cooking everybody on step back three. So what were your, um, and he, it was one of the only games in the tournament where he actually shot really good from free three. The uh, free throw line. He shot eleven for twelve from the free throw line. What were your thoughts on that uh, game versus France the other day, where you just got the full Luca experience to an extent? Yeah, you know, if I if I could point one thing 
on offense really there's not one thing you can point because everything was everything was pretty much amazing that he did um he had that amazing 47 point performance uh that put him in the history books and you know there there wasn't one thing i feel like that he had a negative in in that game um yeah i mean it, it goes from trick shots to driving in the paint getting uh tough buckets from there to even step back threes uh he, he made it all like I, I i if i could it's it's hard to circle one part of the game i guess i guess i'll i'll do the three point shooting just cuz you know really all tournament he hasn't had the highest three point percentage and to go out there against arguably the best team and this Eurobasket, uh, and go out there and shoot fire quite literally. Um, yeah, I think that's a big thing for him and Slovenia for that matter. No, most definitely. Uh, honestly, it could have been Luca's best game ever. I don't know if that's like uh, yeah, much I don't of a know. far fetch, but I mean, at the same time, like this is only 10 minute quarters, um, for him to do this on a national stage. Um, it, it was insane to me he's definitely his best europe european game that he's ever played in any capacity whether that be with real madrid or um with the national or with the slovenian national team for that uh matter in my opinion at least um and i mean it's got to rival some of his games in the nba for sure um because i mean if you look at some of these baskets he's getting in Eurobasket, they almost seem like a lot tougher than some of the baskets he's able to get into the nba just because of the lack of um restrictions with guys being able to stay in the lane and you know, always having a center in the paint, um, you know, uh, to your point earlier where you talked about, he seemed a little, you know, he, he seemed a little hesitant this year basket, particularly like when getting like bigger matchups, you know, I, I've seen that to an extent, the regular season in the NBA where, you know, he'll settle for a lot more step back threes, but I think that also, you know, I, honestly, I think he's been better about it in Eurobasket, in my opinion, where, you know, he's getting these bigger guys and he's, you know, getting them, sizing them up, you know, giving them a first move, redirecting, trying to get to the basket and I mean, being successful most of the times, you know, not being as afraid of the contact, not that he ever was, but, you know, just really taking it that extra step to get to the rim against some of these guys, even if it is a little bit tougher and he's going to take um, a little more physicality from them. I don't know that in my opinion, um, I think he's been doing a lot better job of that. Um, See, I think it, I think, you know, throw Valanchunas and Nurkic in there. Uh, these are definitely established bigs in the NBA. Yeah, but these are like uh, mountain I, dudes too. Like not. Yeah, I know, and that and that's what I'm saying is like I don't know. I, I feel like for it's kind of the same against Zubac though, where you know, but you look at his like numbers in that playoff series against Zubac. I think he was like there was like some sort of stat I saw on Twitter a couple of weeks ago where in his matchups against Zubac in that uh, 2021 playoff series, like when he was getting guarded by Zubac, and like it was like a total of like six minutes throughout the series, he had like. 30 points on like 90% shooting or something crazy like that. I don't know if exactly what the stat was, but I just think that that's like really indicative of his ability to exploit um, bigs that he's getting matched up. But we have seen at times where uh, bigs that can switch a little better and things of that nature um, that can catch up to him because when his step back three isn't falling and, you know, he has a little bit of a harder time uh, against some bigs that are a little more laterally, laterally quick um, that does have an ability to, uh, hamper his game a little bit but I, I think he's been largely really effective in some of these games um do you have any other more thoughts on Luca um throughout these games uh literally quite what we've seen these last two games is is amazing so I, I think that's a good yeah 
Uh, it has been Luca Magic for sure. But, um, <laughs> Quite literally, Luca Magic. Speaking of big men, next we are going to be getting into Maxi Kleber, a big man for the Dallas Mavericks, of course, getting a three-year, $33 million contract extension per Sham Sharania of the Athletic, and what that means for the Mavericks' cap flexibility going forward, and what that means for Maxi. What does that mean for this uh, team this season? Like, what sort of connotations does that have? Does that have? We'll be getting into that right here. All right, so getting into it, Jaron. What are your thoughts on Maxi Kleber's three-year, $33 million um, extension? Do you think that Maxi is well-deserving of this extension, first off? Yeah, no, I think – I believe Maxi is very well-deserving. I think throwing a three-year, $33 million at a guy like Maxi is very good value for what you're getting. Uh, versatile defender, arguably – one of the more versatile defenders in the NBA at this time at his position, you know, you don't see very much centers who can switch at the perimeter and also play some paint defense uh, very much in today's NBA. And he's one of the rare occasions and he does it, he does it well. Um, You know, if you're, I guess if you're arguing, you know, maybe, maybe he gets overpaid, maybe he got overpaid, whatever. Like he, he had, very very good minutes uh and that first round series versus the jazz and that second round series versus the suns that helped us ultimately beat them in seven um now of course he fell off the planet fell off the face of the planet against golden state but uh who didn't pretty much besides luca um but yeah i mean like i think for the value that you're getting out of this guy especially i feel like he's gonna have a little bit of a decreased role next year um but for what his value what he's giving you, I think this is a great contract. Yeah, so Maxi averaged 24.6 points per game. Um, and, you know, with news, of course, today that the NBA salary cap is going up and all these sort of things. Minutes, minutes per game. Oh, minutes per game. Yes, my bad. I was about to say, I was like. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> do you think it, this is fair value for the role that he's going to be playing next year? Um, you know, given he's probably the third um, big man in the rotation on this roster. Um, if we're just projecting at face value here, he shot 32.5% from three last year, but obviously he had that terrible late season slope. But do you feel like in 15 to 20 minutes a game, potentially this guy is an $11 million player? If do you think his production will not falter as much if he's reduced in minutes a little and he's not having to, it's, it's not as much of a toll um, taken on him to, you know, have to guard some, some of these really good centers every single possession like he had to at points with the Mavs last year. Maxi coming off the bench for his role, definitely going to have a decreased role and decreased minutes. Uh, but with that being said, you know, Maxi's usage rate, or not usage rate, but how many minutes he played on the court last year really took a toll on his health last year. Uh, he was out for a few games late in the season with a back injury. And I think having a decreased role this season – or assuming he has a decreased role this season, is going to do him well. I think it's going to live up to that contract. And arguably, I mean, I think you can make a at least a little bit of an argument. He might be one of the better centers coming off the bench, um, maybe in the league, uh, assuming Christian Wood and JaVale McGee start together. Yeah, no, I mean, I'd agree with that to, to an extent. You know, he's not going to come in and grab a ton of rebounds or – you know, Maxi's not versatile on offense to the point where he's able to create his own shot or anything like that. But in terms of what he's asked to do in his role, you know, this is a guy who can um, defend multiple positions. 
um, albeit sometimes limited when you're trying to expel him, um, <clears throat> you know, just beyond what he can do if you're trying to ask him to do too much or guard a guy in the perimeter, uh, possession after possession. It can definitely wear him down. But, you know, so long as you're only doing this, um, you know, from time to time and you have him be it's a sort of a switch defender where he can guard fours, fives, threes, and the like, and, you know, just mixing up the, you know, sort of defensive strategies with him and playing him with other bigs occasionally. You know, this is a guy that can really uh, flurry, uh, not flurry, but flourish in the five-out five, five out offense that the Mavericks have instilled. And, you know, with getting some big men help with Christian Wood and JaVale McGee um, and taking some pressure off him, I feel like that's only going to bolster his um, ability to play – well within his role when given the opportunity and, you know, not have as many dud games where, you know, we get the defense, but not the three point shooting or we get the three point shooting, but not the defense. Uh, I just think it'll, you know, lead to him being more consistent getting, you know, given that Maxi is 29, he'll or actually, I know he's 30 and he'll be 31 in January. So by the end of this contract extension, he'll be 34. Um, so, you know, I would expect his athleticism and his, defense to regress to an extent by the end of that um, contract. But, you know, hopefully the three-point shooting still um, stays consistent in that manner. Yeah. So um, do you think that this is good value for Maxi even towards the end of that contract? Um, and in terms of future trade flexibility, do you think that this is a very, um, f- like, flexible contract to trade? And um, – <clears throat> Do you think that this bodes well? Like, and also, do you think that this signals that the Mavericks are not really as concerned about their cap flexibility in the uh, 2023 summer, given that Maxi was going to be a unrestricted free agent and now he's on this contract extension and that they view their second star coming uh, via trade? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I, th- I think definitely as the contract comes. comes to an end I think of course his career is going to take a little bit of a drop off as any guy would at the age of 34 but with that being said uh you know early on in his contract I guess you can say uh I think he's definitely going to live up to it and with that you know that makes him a very very great uh asset at the least uh let's say he doesn't quite live up to it or maybe there's an offer you can't refuse I think Max is a good trade piece there for honestly a bargain, um, arguably, I think for what you're getting out of Maxi, it's kind of a bargain. Um, he's gotten better every year he's played. So I don't see why at least these next two, he doesn't progress even further uh, with the reduced role. Um, but yeah, like I think that he's going to be a great, great trade asset at the very least. He's going to live up to this contract, of course. And with that being said, I mean, if, if he does become a trade asset, you know, he, you could be looking at a second potential all-star because I, I think it's clear, you know, the Mavericks, like you said, kind of moved into this notion where cap space really isn't a big deal to them. And I, I if, if that is the case, then you're going to have to look towards the trade market to find a second star. Yeah. I mean, obviously Maxi by himself is not going to net a second star. That's not what we're yeah. trying to say whatsoever, but this definitely, you know, <clears throat> looking at what an organization does can signal more so um, what an organization might do versus what they say 
and you know an extension like this and various reports over the last couple of days and what we'll talk about in some in the uh, next podcast regarding Mark Stein's stub stack where he referenced uh and I, no, I think it was also Tim McMahon on the Hoop Collective where he said the Mavericks are trying to push for you know a big in-season trade for a second star or maybe like next summer so things of that nature <clears throat> and uh moves like this by the Mavericks to extend some of their players um on tradable contracts um definitely bode well for that direction for whenever that happens so I'm very encouraged by this and I think Maxie's well deserving of it I'm very happy for him I think it's a really good really good value for him I have no issues with the money um I it's honestly kind of like right where I would project him to yeah get and things of that nature so hopefully he can get an uptick in three-point shooting like consistently not just in the playoffs next year I'm really excited to see his production <clears throat> you know given that Maxi stays with the Mavericks and is not traded at any point throughout this contract extension, um, how many more really good like years of Maxi do you think we have where he's this, you know, kind of switch defender off the bench. You can knock down threes really good and still decently athletic. Um, do you think that he can keep this up for, you know, the duration of his contract extension or um, like we said, probably maybe just the next year or two. Yeah, no, I think, Given given the contract, I think he can live up to it. Right. <clears throat> I think he can live up to his role for the next four years. It's, I guess we really won't have that answer, especially until, with the salary cap increasing. Maybe the, this contract's not going to look that. It's not going to be looked at as much of a uh, as as much of an albatross as it potentially could have been. Yeah, yeah. When you know, eleven million is the new six million or whatever. Um, but th- with that being said, it's. Um, interesting to me um you know with maxi aging how his game is just going to sort of progress like you know i see the three-point shooting already kind of being there but i feel like when he ages he'll become this like sort of like mike toby type player i don't know <laughs> yeah. no i mean for real though like I, I don't know the thing is is like we won't know i guess the duration of this contract or the duration of him throughout this contract uh until we see how he is in this uh decreased role which I think we'll see this season um, to an extent. But with, I mean, that being said, I think Maxie's well-deserving of it. 11 million, like you said, I think is like pretty much the perfect allotted amount for him. Uh, I, I think he's making the same amount as Dwight Powell, and that says a lot uh, about a movable contract, given who it is. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like going forward, you know, Maxie Kleba, uh, three-year, $33 million deal, and, yeah, I think it's great value for him. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that the extent of how many good years Maxie's going to have left is going to be dependent on how big his role is over the next couple of years and how you know healthy he is if his injuries aren't – he doesn't get hampered by injuries and he's able to, you know, flourish in that reduced role. You know, I think we could be seeing – um, this level of production for Maxi for about two to three years, but if not, maybe only another year or two. But and at the end of the day, happy for the guy. Like we said, um, we will be back tomorrow night um, talking about some recent Mavericks rumblings from Mark Stein's um, Substack, Tim Bontemps, um, and Tim McMahon on the Hoop Collective. A lot of Tims and a lot of Marks. Uh, a lot of Tims and a lot of Marks, and some NBA midseason tournament talk. And we will also be getting into Tyler Dorsey and how he's played Neurobastic because we really haven't touched too much on that. And he's quietly, you know, put himself in the conversation to, um, from what apparently some of the Mavericks uh, brass think could be making a run in a roster spot. So 
we will go ahead and get into all that. But we wanted to talk um, about Luca's running Eurobasket, how historic it's been so far. And we wanted to get into Max Kleber's con- uh, contract extension, of course. Uh, but with that being said, that's going to be the end of the podcast today. Uh, make sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if you're listening on those platforms or whatever platform you're listening on. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Mainstream underscore Mavs and uh, reach out to us, comment, like, whatever. Um, if you you know, have listened to this far in the podcast and if you have any gripes with what we said or if you enjoy what we said, just let us know. We love the feedback. But anyways, um, do you have anything else for today, Jaren? Uh Shout out to Dirk. <laughs> he looked amazing on that. Uh, I don't even know what advertisement board. Oh, and Cologne uh, <clears throat> uh, or Cologne, whatever it's called. He looked yeah, amazing yes. for, I think it's like Deutschland Bank or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Deutschland Bank. <laughs> That's what it said. Dogecoin Bank. But on the real, shout out to Dirk. Um, obviously, we already talked about it, but he got his number retired by the German national team. So hashtag 41 forever. And with that being said. 14. Mainstream Mavs out.